Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Panado. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. But Jesus didn't answer a word. And so his disciples came to him and urged him, tell her to go away because she's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help the lost sheep of Israel. But she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus said to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. And she said, that's true, Lord. But even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Our sermon title this morning is Women Are Dogs. Let us pray, Father. Again, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be here with us. Give us understanding about this passage from Scripture, a most bizarre passage of Scripture. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This story is often viewed as troubling, troubling and embarrassing. We have a foreign, sincere woman seeking help from Jesus. At first, he ignores her. Then he makes a sectarian remark. Uh, Finally, Jesus appears to exhibit racism and insensitivity to her suffering as he insults her in public. In the end, he does heal her daughter, but only after the mother demonstrates a willingness to be publicly humiliated. Why is Jesus putting this woman through the ringer? Before he grants her petition to exorcise the demon from her daughter. What's going on here? Is this the kind of God that we serve? One whom we have to beg and and plead with and, and even be willing to be humiliated by him before he answers our prayers. I mean, this story just seems so out of character with the Jesus whom we have known loves everyone, accepts everyone, respects everyone, and has compassion for everyone. What's going on in this story? 
From verse 21, the Bible tells us that Jesus left that place where he was at. He was at Galilee. And he goes to Tyre and to Sidon, to the area of Phoenicia, just outside of Israel, just north of Israel. Tyre and Sidon were cities that are are actually located in the modern state of Lebanon today. And Jesus, Mark tells us that Jesus is trying to lay low here. He's trying to make his, he's not trying to make his presence known in that area. But there's this woman. There's this woman who finds out that Jesus is there and this woman is a bold woman. She crosses gender and racial barriers. You remember that in Jesus' day, a rabbi would not speak to women in public. A rabbi would not even speak to uh, members, female members of his own family in public. A rabbi wouldn't even speak to his wife in public. And that's why in the story of the Samaritan woman, if you remember, it was Jesus who initiated the conversation with the woman. The woman would never have initiated a conversation with Jesus. But this woman here, she is bold. She initiates a conversation with Jesus. She crosses crosses gender barriers and she even crosses racial barriers to speak to Jesus. And in her response in verse 22, what she says in verse 22, she says, Lord, son of David. It gives us an insight. It gives us a hint that this woman must have had some prior knowledge of who Jesus was. She, being a Canaanite, calls him Lord and Master. And she also uses that messianic title, Son of David. She believes in him as the Messiah. Matthew tells us that this is not the first time that Jesus is in this area. He has been in this area before. Mark also tells us that people from Phoenicia, from Tyre and Sidon, would go into Galilee. They would travel from Phoenicia and they would go into Galilee to see Jesus so that Jesus could heal them. This woman has some knowledge that Jesus has compassion for all. That he heals all, whether Jew or Gentile, man or woman. But then why the indifference and the rejection? Verse 23 tells us he didn't answer her a word. Why then the indifference and even the rejection from Jesus? You see, the key to understanding the story is that Jesus is doing two things here. He is dealing with the woman and with her petition But he is also educating his disciples. This chapter here in Matthew chapter 15, it is a chapter of Jesus educating his disciples. In verse 15, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, "Uh, Master, explain this parable to us. And then Jesus explains that parable to him. Later on in this chapter in verse 32, uh, with the feeding of the the 4,000, it's also a lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples to trust in him. This whole chapter is a chapter of Jesus educating his disciples. And this isn't the only instance where Jesus educates his disciples. In fact, Jesus is the rabbi. He is the teacher. He is the master. He is the Lord. His disciples are his students. They're his apprentices. He is teaching them. Jesus will be teaching his disciples, but not only will he be teaching his disciples, remember the woman called him master. She recognized him also as master and Lord. And so Jesus will also take an opportunity to administer 
an exam to this woman. He will administer a three-part exam to this woman and to the disciples. To the woman, Jesus will test the limits of her faith in him as Lord and Master. Jesus will push the limits of this woman's confidence in him as the agent of God's mercy, grace, and compassion. Jesus will push her to the point where she will demonstrate the depth of her love for her daughter. You see, Jesus is giving this woman an opportunity to reveal the depth of courage, faith, and love that she has. Now, the test will be difficult. But tough exams are not a negative put-down. In fact, difficult exams and challenges are actually an honor that a teacher confers on the student. And a teacher does so because the teacher knows that the student has what it takes. Growing up, we all had teachers like that, didn't we? Teachers who pushed us. And we may not have liked them at the moment, but they pushed us because they saw something in us. And afterwards, those are the teachers whom we respect and whom we admire. Isn't that right? And the student who struggles through and passes challenging exams. As a result of passing that exam, they then acquire a sense of achievement and accomplishment. And a sense of confidence. Isn't that right? When you got, when you got your grade back or, or your test results back and it had an A on there, how did you feel after that? Even though you were stressing up until that moment. When you see that A on that paper, it just gives you a sense of accomplishment and of confidence. I can do this. And so rather than difficult exams being a put down, difficult exams are actually an honor conferred by a teacher upon the student. But Jesus will also be testing the disciples. Jesus is seeking to expose the deep-seated prejudices held deep within their hearts. Instead of lecturing the disciples about negative stereotypes, Jesus will appear to agree with them. He will give voice to their prejudices. So that they will be able to see how offensive their views are. And so for the woman, the exam will reveal the depth of her courage, faith, and love. To the disciples, this test will expose the deep-seated prejudices held in their hearts. Are you ready? Test number one. Test number one, verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. By Jesus ignoring this woman, he is seen by his disciples as acting in an entirely appropriate manner. By ignoring the woman's desperate cries, he appears to endorse their misogynistic views. In fact, the disciples are actually emboldened and empowered by Jesus ignoring her. And they come to Jesus and they urge him. They say, tell her to go away because she's bothering us with all her begging. 
Now, if you remember the story of the Samaritan woman, when the disciples come and they find Jesus speaking with the woman, at that time, the disciples don't have the courage to ask Jesus, well, what's going on here? What, what does she want? What's happening here? But here, by Jesus ignoring this woman, they feel emboldened. That's right. Tell her to get away. Tell her to go away. She's bothering us. Why is she here? Tell her to leave us alone. The truth is that Jesus is irritated by the attitude of the disciples towards this woman. Unfortunately, this is not the first, nor will it be the last time that when someone comes to Jesus, seeking help from Jesus, the disciples will turn them away. Unfortunately, it's not the first, nor will it be the last time. And I just want to say, may we... May we never turn people away from Jesus. You know, people come here to this church on Sabbath mornings to have an encounter with God and have an encounter with Jesus. People come here to worship God, to present themselves before Him, to seek hope and to seek courage. And when people come here, may we never push them away from Jesus. May we never, when someone comes, comes here to experience Jesus... May they instead never, may they instead not meet the devil because of how we treated them. Lord forbid that we push people away from Jesus. But despite the cold shoulder, this woman doesn't leave. She is not deterred. She stays in the presence of Jesus. Because she knows that it's only in the presence of Jesus where there is hope and there is healing. And so she passes the first part of the exam. Whereas the disciples fail miserably. This woman, a Gentile, a Canaanite, historical enemy of the people of God, she passes the exam. The disciples, on the other hand, Men, Jews, part of the chosen people of God, disciples of Jesus, they fail miserably. On to test number two, verse 24. Jesus first ignores her, now he makes a sectarian remark towards her. Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to help the lost sheep of Israel. What is sectarianism? Sectarianism is this idea where it's only about us. And it's only about us, and, it, and, and only we know, and it's not for you, it's just for us. Only Adventists, this is only for Adventists, only Adventists know. Uh, Non-Adventists are not permitted, they don't know, only Adventists. Now, it's not just a problem that Adventists face, uh, it, it's a problem of human nature. It happens everywhere. I remember not too long ago, or a couple years ago, actually, I think, I remember uh, we were trying to do a, um, a joint worship service with all the churches in Jacksonville. And so we were looking for a church facility that was large enough to be able to, you know, have, have all of us there. And so I remember a particular church that I called, and, and the response was so ugly. I called, you know, saying, we need to, we're looking to rent your facilities. And their response was... Our facilities are for church members only. Yeah. 
just sounds ugly, you know? Now, they have the right to rent their facilities out to whoever they want. You know, they have the right to not even rent out their facilities. It's up to them. But for a church to say, for members only, that just, you know, that just sounds a little ugly. In my previous district, uh, back in 2005, before I was there, the story was told to me. In, in, in my previous district, the, the church had a, had a very nice fellowship hall. It was a solid fellowship hall. It was built out of, out of block. This isn't block, but it was built out of block and brick. It was very solid. They had built nice restroom facilities. They had even put showers in that fellowship hall. They had a very nice kitchen, and they had beds, and they had tables and chairs in that fellowship hall. Very well done fellowship hall. And the reason for building this fellowship hall so well was so that it could serve as a shelter in case there was a storm. And if you remember in 2005, there were many storms, many hurricanes that blew through Florida at that time. And those who lived in the community came knocking on the door of the fellowship hall. You guessed it. And they opened the door and they told those who lived in the community, this shelter is for church members only. I don't know all the details. I don't know who said that. I don't know all the details behind that. But for a church to say for members only is ugly. And here Jesus seems to be doing just that. He looks at the woman and he tells her, my ministry, my healing ministry is only for Israel. I'm sorry, you're not an Israelite. You're a Canaanite. I cannot help you. I cannot heal you. What Jesus is doing here, though, is that he is voicing the deep-seated sectarian views of the disciples. Awkward. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? I'm sorry, can't heal you. Are you a Jew? No? Okay, sorry, can't help you. There's a tense pause. What will this woman do? Every door is being slammed in her face. Will she finally get the not-so-subtle hint and leave? Or will she persevere with her requests? Her response in verse 25 is moving and magnificent. With the sobbing cries of her daughter ringing in her ears. Sometimes we sanitize these stories, but her daughter is demon-possessed. And she, as the mother, as the caretaker, is at her limits. And she simplifies her request to the elemental cry of an anguished human soul. And she simply kneels before Jesus. And she says, Lord, help me. Help me. Thus far in the ministry of Jesus, his compassion for all was evident and clear. His disciples should not, could not have missed it. Only the hardest of heart could be unmoved by this woman's dramatic action in her simple yet desperate words. 
This woman, a Gentile, a Canaanite, historical enemy of the people of God, she passes the second part of the exam. The disciples, men, Jews, part of the chosen people of God, disciples of Jesus, they fail and they fail miserably. On to test number three, found in verse 26. Jesus replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. Verbal insult. Ignoring her, throwing a sectarian remark at her, and now insulting her verbally. But what Jesus is doing is that he is verbalizing the thoughts, the feelings, and the attitudes of the disciples. And sometimes we don't realize how shockingly offensive our attitudes and our thoughts are until they are verbalized. And the language that Jesus uses is very strong. In ancient Middle Eastern culture, uh, dogs were the lowest of the low. You know, probably pigs were just a little bit lower, but dogs were, that was the lowest of the low. Dogs were not kept as pets. They were not pampered. Dogs were left to wander the streets unattended. They were scavengers subsisting on garbage. Ignoring this woman is one thing, but to insult her and to denigrate her with such language, to call her a dog, is something else. I mean, even today, to compare a woman to a dog is, is offensive, unbelievably offensive. Some of you, when you saw my sermon title, you came to me. You said, Pastor, what is this title? What are, what are you trying to say here? You, know, you understand, you get a feeling, a sense of how offensive that is. But the reference to dogs is primarily for the disciples' education. Jesus is saying to them, I know that you think this Gentile woman is a dog and you want me to treat her as such, but pay attention. Pay attention. Is this what you really want? Are you comfortable with this scene? Are you okay with what I am saying to her? Are you okay with how I am treating her, with what I am doing to her? Is that what you're about? Are you okay with that? Our country is currently facing a revival of racial tension. With the media storm surrounding the treatment of police officers towards black men, it has ushered in a movement, Black Lives Matter. And you would think that after the first occurrence, okay, well, maybe after the second, with all the media attention that it has garnered, you would think that it would stop. But it hasn't. It's continued. In our country today, we are currently facing confusion, distinguishing between patriotism and nationalism, and cultural arrogance and bigotry. Recently, a Republican presidential candidate made remarks concerning undocumented immigrants from Latin America. The remarks summed up that undocumented immigrants from Latin America are rapists and they are criminals, and there was a call made to round up these individuals and ship them and send them away. 
Now, does that sound historically familiar? Rounding up millions of individuals from a certain ethnic and cultural background and shipping them away. And one would think that his poll numbers would drop and dip. But in fact, his poll numbers have gone up. And what's scary is that it seems to indicate that what he is doing is he is verbalizing the thoughts and feelings and attitudes of many. Are we comfortable with that? Are we okay with that? It's time for us to have an honest conversation about race, about equality, and about justice. Not only in this country, but even in this church. And so how would this woman respond to the insult? Her exam has reached its most demanding section. Will she reply with a corresponding insult? Which I personally feel she would be justified in doing so. Will she reply with a corresponding insult against these haughty Jews who despise and verbally attack Gentiles, even those in pain? Or is her love for her daughter, her faith that Jesus has the power to heal, her confidence that he has compassion for all, and her commitment to him as Master and Lord, are they so strong that she will absorb the insults? And press on yet again with her request. Verse 27, she says, yes, Lord, it's true. But even dogs have the right to eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Absorbing the insult, this woman turns, turns it into a renewed request. Yes, I know that in your eyes I'm a dog and I deserve nothing. But dogs are still thrown leftover pieces of bread from their master's table. You are my master and Lord, and I know that you can heal and have compassion for all. Do you not have a crumb for my daughter? Superb. Unbelievable. This woman passes the entire exam. This Gentile, this Canaanite, historical enemy of the people of God passes all three parts of the exam with flying colors. Meanwhile, the disciples, Jews, men, Jews, chosen people, part of the chosen people of God, disciples of Jesus, they fail once again and they fail miserably. This woman's faith is forever rendered unforgettable. Notice what Jesus says about her in verse 28. Then Jesus turns to her and said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Now, do you know that Jesus only said this about two individuals in the Gospels? During his entire three and a half year ministry on this earth, he only said that about two individuals. Your faith is great. You have faith great. Great faith. He only says that about two individuals. Number one, to this woman. Number two, to the centurion who came to him asking that his servant, that his child be healed. Both the Gentiles. None were Jews. Could it be possible, Lord have mercy, could it be possible that there is greater faith outside of these walls? 
Could, there be, could it be possible that those outside of these walls here at Jacksonville First Church have greater faith than we do? Her faith is characterized by an unfailing confidence, a persistence, a relentlessness in that persistence. Even while all the dorms, doors are being slammed in her face, she perseveres, knowing that Jesus is her only source of hope. She is willing to pay any price, even public humiliation, in order to receive the grace that is mediated by Jesus. What about us? What about us? What about us in our faith? Sometimes we come to church and people look at us the wrong way. (laughs) And our faith shatters and we don't come back to church. Sometimes we we come to church and someone talks to us the wrong way and says something we don't like or says it in the wrong tone and our faith shatters and we don't come back to church. Sometimes things happen at work and at family and things do happen. Life happens. And our faith shatters and, and we separate ourselves from God and we separate ourselves from church. The ironic thing is sometimes nothing has to happen. Just time passes. And our faith shatters. And that's why, my friends, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, where it speaks about God's people at the end of time, in the midst of the mark of the beast and in the midst of the final conflict, the Bible says that God's people will be characterized by patience and by faith. The Bible says here is the patience of the saints. Those that have that that have the, the that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, that are faithful to Jesus. Amen. You see, we as God's people should be characterized by persistence and patience in our faith. Come what may come, we still believe and we still trust Jesus. In the face of being ignored, this woman still had faith in Jesus. In the midst of being rejected and disregarded, this woman still had faith in Jesus. In the midst of religious discrimination and disappointment, the church let her down. The system let her down. She still had faith in Jesus. In the midst of racial discrimination, And in the midst of verbal insult, this woman still had faith in Jesus. And the disciples are watching, and the disciples are listening, and indeed in all Israel they have never seen such total confidence in the person of Jesus, in spite his hard words. Nor have they witnessed such compassion and love for the sick child. And her response becomes a deadly blow to their carefully nurtured prejudices against women and Gentiles. Here in this story, Jesus is sowing the seeds and he is planting the seeds of a new paradigm of who God is and to whom he extends his love. Unfortunately, the disciples will struggle to allow that plant to grow and to bear fruit. 
Unfortunately, this isn't the first nor the last time that the disciples will, will struggle with this. We wish it were, but it wasn't. Even in this morning Sabbath school lesson, we studied about how Peter struggled with the invitation from Cornelius. But Jesus is sowing and planting the seed, my friends, of who God is and to whom he extends his love. And so this morning I ask you, where is your faith this morning? Where is your faith this morning? Is your faith being tested this morning? Do you find yourself in a difficult place this morning? Things at home aren't going the way you thought they were. Things at work aren't going the way you thought they were. Is your faith being tested this morning? It's because Jesus knows that you have what it takes. Jesus knows that you have what it takes to pass this exam. He is with you. He has not abandoned you. Do not lose faith in Jesus. He is the only one who can give us hope. He is the only one that has the answers to all our problems. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with them at www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.